When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy to have you with us for College Football Live alongside Greg McElroy and Rod Gilmore. I'm Wendy Nix. Some big names opening fall camp today as we inch closer to another college football season. Among them, Michigan. They won 12 games just a year ago, but for the first time since 1997. The Wolverines coming off their first appearance in the college football playoff. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss are coming off the school's first 10-win season since 2015. And Texas A&M hopes to contend for the SEC title after tying for third in the SEC West last season. As you just saw on that list, Michigan started their fall camp this morning, coming off Jim Harbaugh's best season as head coach. The Wolverines made the college football playoff for the first time in team history behind starting quarterback Cade McNamara and change of pace QB J.J. McCarthy. Here's Jim Harbaugh from Big Ten Media Day last week talking about those two quarterbacks. A really cool stat on Cade McNamara is over 50% of his drives end in points. And I don't know exactly what the number is for J.J., but it seems like every time he got in there uh, and let it drive, it ended in points as well. Both really good. You know, they ask sometimes, you know, at other positions, who's going to play? I mean, the best player is going to play. We're going to know who the best player is by who plays the best. Cade McNamara is going to be really tough to beat out uh, for the starting quarterback job. J.J. McCarthy is going to be really tough to beat out for the starting quarterback job. Cade McNamara started all 14 games and took nearly five times as many snaps as did J.J. McCarthy last season. But McCarthy held his own as the signal caller, throwing for nearly nine yards per pass attempt. He also ran for over 100 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Rod, in this case, the two-quarterback system, at least last season, worked for Michigan. How much confidence do you have in these two quarterbacks together? Hey, Wendy, remember when Brent Venables the other day said commitment, he needs people to understand it's getting married? I feel like he would tell Jim Harbaugh that he's got to stop dating the two quarterbacks and pick one and settle on one. <laughs> but, you know, it's not that easy. Both these quarterbacks played in that uh, playoff game against Georgia, a generational defense. They both kind of struggled in that game, and understandably so. But, you know, we all hope that going into the spring, you get a resolution. But, you know, Desmond Howard was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and he told everyone that J.J. was limited in the spring, that that, that shoulder issue of his came up and he couldn't fully participate. So he didn't have a chance to beat out McNamara in the spring. So I think what we're going to get in the short run is a use of both of these guys. But clearly, J.J., bigger quarterback, bigger arm, more upside. How long will it take him to be 100%? Because I think most Michigan fans expect that if he's full go, at some point in the season, he will become the guy and that they might need that 
in some of those bigger bigger games, Greg. But listen, I, I think they're going to play both of them, and you almost have to, most, most uh, coaches these days, so you don't lose a guy. Well, what's interesting is you might need to rely on what the defense is going to look like in order to pick your quarterback. More on the defense in just a minute. Let's talk about McNamara, because I think this guy – kind of gets a bit of an unfair rap. Remember, he's only a third-year, fourth-year junior, so he's still a relatively young player. And he abruptly reminded the media in the spring that I loved this, by the way, because as a quarterback, no one better have more confidence than you. Quote, I'm a Big Ten championship starting quarterback. Let's not lose sight of that. And I think we need to acknowledge, too, that while McCarthy, yes, did showcase some of that upside throughout the course of last season – You also saw him play poorly against Michigan State. Crucial fumble, two interceptions against the Spartans. And as a result, obviously the Michigan Wolverines came up short in that game. So while I acknowledge that McCarthy might have the slightly higher ceiling, depending on what they need from the quarterback position, they might just need a game manager, which is exactly what Cade McNamara did a remarkable job of throughout the course of last season. So I think it just depends a little bit on what's going to be expected of the offense. Are they going to have to score a lot of points, or are they going to have to be more in the ball control, game control type of attack? So I think it depends a little bit on what the rest of the team looks like. Well, Greg, Michigan averaging almost 36 points per game last season. That is the second most under Harbaugh. Their most, by the way, since 2016. That is the offensive picture. How about the defense? No shortage of love lost here because they they lost a number of games, won a number of games with their defense last season. Some of their prime contributors, however, are gone. Defensive end Aiden Hutchinson went second overall in the latest NFL draft to the Lions. And safety Dax Hill also went in the first round. He went to the AFC champion. Bengals linebacker David Ajabo went in the second round to the Ravens. So that's a lot of talent that's moved on, Greg, to the next level. Does that Uh, give you any concern regarding this Michigan defense? Yes. (laughs) So, obviously, players (laughs) over plays. So, it's understandable to me that we would have some lost sleep because of the personnel that's no longer there. I think Daxon Hill will be replaced. They're solid on the back, and they have a veteran presence there. I see Sanders still will do a really good job filling in his role, even though I loved Daxon Hill last year. I didn't think he got nearly enough credit. But you cannot replicate that edge presence that you got from Agent Hudson and David Ajabo. And if Ajabo was healthy, I think he would have been drafted a lot higher than he was. So we're likely talking about two top 20 picks that split each end of the offensive line. That's an impossible thing to account for. So I think when you look at what Jesse Minter has in front of him, he's the new D.C. He's the third D.C. in the last three years for Michigan. That's going to be a difficult way to try to create that pressure without bringing extra pieces. Last year, they could get home without having to blitz, which helped their secondary, which helped their linebackers, which helped the whole defense as a whole. they got to identify guys that can create their own shot in the pass rush. And if they can't, they got to get creative with their pressures without hanging their defense out to dry. The good news is it's a veteran group. Right now, projections, of course, and I know Jim Harbaugh won't give us a depth chart, Rod, but right now, as we project what their depth chart looks like, it looks like there's going to be one sophomore in their top 12 defensive players. The rest are juniors and seniors. That's a good place to start when they kick it off against what should be an improved team in Colorado State. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Greg. I mean, they lost not just good players. They lost difference makers. I mean, when you talk about Hutchinson and Ojabo, you're talking about guys that accounted for 25 sacks. You're talking about guys who made offensive coordinators go, 
We have to account for them. We have to block them. We have to know where they are. So now that's gone. But, you know, they played a lot of guys last year. And to me, the real issue becomes those guys that played 20, 25 snaps, can you move up and play 45, 50 snaps? You know, are, are we talking about Taylor Upshaw? Are we talking about Mike Morris being able to handle more of the workload? I don't think they have the same kind of difference makers, but they've got really good players. They've got depth. It's adding on the additional reps. Same system, different coordinators. So these guys, you mentioned, a lot of juniors, a lot of seniors, they know the system. But can they handle the additional responsibility and the additional reps when you don't have the superstars anymore? Well, they'll, it'll have to be next man up, guys. They return just 36% of their defensive production from last season. That's the fourth lowest total in the Big Ten. It can be done. Uh, but it will require some new names stepping into those roles. Let's switch gears now to the SEC, where we'll find that Texas A&M was also among the schools to open fall camp today. Last season, the Aggies finished 8-4, and four, but did get a signature win at home that came against Alabama. Here's head coach Jimbo Fisher earlier today. I think we're right where we, you know, where we want to be. We have a chance to be very competitive and play, and, you know, your urgency every year is the same. There's never a difference in urgency. We don't approach it any different. There's nothing you see any different. We're putting things in place, what we're doing very well. We've gotten more depth. We've, we're recruiting, I think, at a very good pace, and we'll see what happens, you know, in our player development and where these guys go. We'll have got, we'll got there and see them. But I love where we're at. I think we're, you know, always in that conversation, and we have one of the better teams and, have a, and have, still have a relatively young team. That's the exciting thing. It takes time to build the things the right way and, and, and the things you're doing, and we're doing it that way, and it's been very good. We'll learn a lot more about the Aggies in the first half of the season. A&M won't leave the state in September, but then they host Miami in week three in College Station before meeting Arkansas a week later in Arlington. And Texas A&M visits Nick Saban and Alabama on October 8th. Listen, they, they came out in the winning end last year against Alabama. They've got that highly, highly re recruited class, a highly touted recruiting class, I should say. Rod, is this the year that we see Texas A&M break through? Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know, I think Texas A&M fans believe so. Um, it should be that time, right? I mean, they've had four great years of recruiting. They had the number one recruiting class last season. They beat Alabama last season. So the expectations are they should be ready to arrive. They may still be somewhat young, but they're very talented. They've got enough talent to make a big difference. I don't like the road schedule. There's some tough games on the road for them. But to me, Greg, the biggest issue for Texas A&M is their passing attack. It has not been at an elite level. You know, they were number 12 in the SEC uh, with passing just barely over 200 yards a game last season. They were not good in yards per attempt, you know, well below average. You know, they just really haven't been able to threaten people enough with the passing attack. I think that's the biggest issue. Now, uh, Calzada is gone, so they've got a new quarterback this year. So the issue for me becomes, can they become really proficient with their intermediate passing and with the deep passing at a high enough level 
to be a championship team. I think they're so talented and have everything else, but that's my big issue, Greg. I think it's the youth, and I look at just how talented they are. They're crazy talented, which makes them crazy dangerous, but it also might make them crazy inconsistent as well. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Max Johnson, of course, very, very experienced, played a lot of football, but has had some ups and downs. Haynes King won the job last year, only played a game and a half before he was lost for the season with a broken leg, and then you got a true freshman, Connor Wigman. So I think the, the quarterback position is about a year away from being elite. I think the defensive line is about a year away from being elite. That's why I think 2023 is the year that the Texas A&M Aggies make a run, not just in the SEC West, but in the SEC as a whole, maybe the national championship, because of four reasons. One, they're going to have an all-time great recruiting class that's now all sophomores. The two, they're going to have another year in the system defensively with DJ Dirk. And three, they'll have an experienced quarterback like I referenced, regardless of who wins the job. And four, they get Alabama and College Station. That's why 2023 is the year for the Aggies, more so than this year. They'll be dangerous, but I don't know if they're going to be consistent enough to win a league that's going to require consistency and performance regardless of who you play. Greg McElroy with the well-crafted argument. I'm going to say attorney Greg McElroy this afternoon. Well done. Uh, the Aggies, by the way, have not won 10 games since 2012. That was their first year in the SEC. Still to come on College Football Live, we got more football. All Miss reached double-digit wins at a New Year's Six Bowl last season. But what will it take for them to repeat that success in 2022? Plus, the Crimson Tide hide the Heisman winner and made it to the national title game last year. Despite that, Nick Saban called it a rebuilding year. Find out why. Coming up. among those teams to open fall camp today. Take a look at the Rebels' schedule this season. They visit Georgia Tech for just their second meeting with the Yellow Jackets over the last 50 seasons. Ole Miss opens league play with Kentucky and Vanderbilt, but then the schedule takes a tough turn. LSU, Texas A&M, and Alabama in consecutive games. Coach Lane Kiffin asked if winning the division is the next step for his program. I don't think like that, and that may be wrong. Um, I think that each year is so new, and especially nowadays with the turnover of your roster, to think we left off here and now we're supposed to go to here. You know, this isn't the NFL where you got most of your roster returning the next year and take the next step. You know, not just as our, our roster different, but the people that we play is different. So I don't look at it that way. That's so far, and I'm not saying that's not achievable, but that's just so far from today. Greg Macarrell has gone from Oxford to Charlotte, where, of course, he's with the Carolina Panthers. So that's a change. How does Ole Miss keep this offense humming another year under Lane Kiffin? Well, I think the biggest part is actually a part that no one's really talking about. We want to talk about the players, but let's quickly talk about part of the reason why a lot of us are very excited about what Oklahoma might be. It's because of the offensive coordinator hire that they've made in Jeff Levy. He was calling the plays for Ole Miss last year. So regardless 
of who's in there at quarterback, he's going to have a different voice in his ear. Whether it's Charlie Weiss Jr. or Lane Kiffin calling the plays, we'll find out. I don't know who it's going to be just yet. Seems to be that it might be Charlie Weiss, but who knows? I think Lane, if they don't score 100 in the first game, they might have to go out there and, and change up who's calling the plays. But either way, whether it's Luke Allmeyer, I think people get a bad rap for what he looked like in a difficult Sugar Bowl game. The guy repped as the two quarterback all throughout the bowl season and then was forced in there against a good defense and Baylor with Dave Aranda calling the plays on defense. Man, that was a tough spot. But don't forget about Jackson Dart either. I don't think it's one of those where it's all about Jackson Dart because of what he did last year at SC. I think Altmeyer is more in the mix than people like to suggest. And I think this team, too, is going to lean heavily on the run game. You look at the two transfers that they brought in at running back. You bring in an excellent, excellent transfer from TCU and Zach Evans. Guy was all world. They might lean more on the run game than they have in the past. Also a great transfer from SMU, Ulysses. So I think the, either one of those two guys could carry this team before a quarterback starts to feel a little bit more confident, Rodgers. Nothing takes the pressure off the quarterback like a good quality run game. And that's what Ole Miss might have to rely on. Yeah, you, you know, Greg, as great as the Rebel offense was last season, they didn't lead the SEC in touchdown passes. I mean, that was Alabama with the 48. So it wasn't throwing the ball all around into the end zone that really got it done for them. I think Lane Kiffin would say there's more there in his offense in this season. The big thing, as you pointed out, is that he's remaking his entire offense just about. He calls himself the transfer portal king, and he went out and got 17-plus transfers. You mentioned Jackson Dart. I had a chance to watch him an awful lot uh, at USC. He is a tough competitor. He will hang in there. His accuracy is very good, strong arm. And he's a guy who will compete every single play. Now, he's got a lot of new different receivers with him. This is the whole thing that is, we got to get used to this, that teams are going to be remade every season. And the question for Lane, Lane Kiffin is, can he bring in, as he has, four new wide receivers, a new quarterback, another tight end, and make it all work seamlessly? I, I guess we'll find out. But um, if anybody can do it, it's probably Lane Kiffin. Well, I tell you what, only Ohio State has averaged more yards per game than Ole Miss during Lane Kiffin's first two seasons. So I guess we'll find out. But if history is any indication, fellas, he sure can. And to circle back to Greg's point, if they don't score 100 points, he'll change it up. Uh, the bar has been set pretty high. Let's switch gears now to a future SEC school. Dylan Gabriel transferred from UCF to Oklahoma during the offseason. He's officially the starter. Gabriel will be coached by former Ole Miss offensive coordinator Jeff Levy. Here's the transfer QB speaking to reporters yesterday. I'm grateful to be in a spot that's just a positive influence on me and I have a lot of great role models to look at, right? And I think when you put all that together and have guys in the locker room that push you to be your best, I mean, there's a, it's, a, it's a recipe for success, you know, so, or excellence, like Coach always says. So I, I feel refreshed. And I said in the spring, just like, I think people here have gone through a whirlwind, the school, the fans. I've gone through a whirlwind personally, but everyone is back to normal. New coaches, you know, new team. For me, it's alignment, assignment, doing my job to the best of my ability. Now it's just going to grind, and, and now we're finally here. What a difference a year makes. Uh, remember a guy named Spencer Rattler? You know, the preseason Heisman favorite, the quarterback. Uh, now we're talking about Gabriel Rod. Uh, you think we have a plug-and-play? Are you confident in the quarterback situation? You know, Wendy, I really like Dylan Gabriel, but I, I just don't get it. He is incredibly 
underrated. I've seen preseason prognostications that had him as low as 40th for quarterbacks. This is a man who completed uh, 60% of his passes at UCF, had back-to-back seasons of 3,500 yards or more. He's not afraid to throw the intermediate ball. He loves to throw the deep ball. He's not the biggest guy, Greg. But listen, his accuracy, I think, is really good. I don't know why he's so underrated. I I realize people worry about his size. He had that broken clavicle last season. But to me, if he's healthy, he's really darn good. He'll be the best quarterback in the Big 12. Yeah, I don't know what more you want. Obviously, Jeff Levy, his offensive coordinator, the aforementioned Jeff Levy, uh, he's been in that hypo system in the past at UCF where they run a ton of tempo. They're going to push the ball down the field. They're going to rely on numbers. And Dylan Gabriel does a great job of process snap information to be able to get the ball out really quickly. He's got great instincts, has great feel for the position like you alluded to. He's got enough arm, enough arm to drive downfield, but he also has enough savvy to be able to take some off the underneath throws. He's very, very catchable. Some of the passes that he throws, very catchable passes. Nice and right in the bread basket for the wide receiver. So expect this passing attack to take off. But also, conversely, because of the way that they put stress on the defense, Oklahoma is going to run out of efficiency as well. And you know what? Given the quarterback hype heading into last season, Rod, if he is underrated, maybe that serves his team well. You know, didn't quite work out the way we yeah. all said last season. So let's, let's give it a go. Uh, still to come on College Football Live, this is a bit of a head-scratcher, at least for me. Uh, a rebuilding year in Tuscaloosa doesn't look the same as it does elsewhere. Hear what Nick Saban had to say about his team last year. Here's a snapshot of Alabama's season last year. They played for a national title. Bryce Young, the first quarterback to win the Heisman from Alabama and won the SEC title, losing to the eventual national champions. Here's what Nick Saban had to say about last season. Last year, we had kind of a rebuilding year, so we should have nine starters back on offense, nine on defense, but six guys go out early for the draft, so now we have five back on offense and seven back on defense. So that in and of itself creates a few more question marks, but it also creates opportunity for other players to be able to shine in the program and contribute in a positive way. Some rebuilding year, Greg. That was quite the year. It's funny to me that people want to act like this is an excuse. You're just saying, look, they had a lot of unknowns going into last season and it ended up working out pretty good. There's no excuses being made. If you want to let other people define what you consider to be success, then that makes you, I think, very, very, very much have a wrong mindset. Like you define your own success. And if he viewed it as a rebuilding year, who are we to argue with him? I think that Nick's a little bit unclear on rebuild. You know, a leaky faucet repair, that's not rebuilding your house. Bye, everybody. Back tomorrow. (laughs)